You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. It's Expert Tuesday. Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV is on the show. I know a lot of you are already familiar with Mr. Nagler. I, I like to call him the Pied Piper of Packers Twitter because really Packers Twitter doesn't exist if not for Aaron. And as Aaron goes, so goes Packers Twitter in most cases. And we have a lot to talk about from Mike McCarthy to what's going on with Seattle Green Bay this week. We've got a lot to talk about. I'm really excited to get you to that conversation Uh, Aaron has been doing this digital Packers coverage thing as long as anyone, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. So uh, I'm I'm glad we were able to make that happen. Uh, Again, a lot of you have asked about it. I know a lot of you follow him and and consume the content that he creates and have been asking for him to come on the show, so here he is. We do have to start, though, with Mike McCarthy. I never thought in a week where the Packers are playing in the divisional round of the playoffs against – a nemesis against a team who has handed them the most iconic defeat of the last generation for Green Bay Packer fans, that we would be talking about Mike McCarthy. But on Monday, Mike McCarthy got the Cowboys head coaching gig. Apparently slept over at Jerry World and and the whole thing. I, th- I think it's a, a great hire for the Cowboys. I think Mike McCarthy's I think he's going to evolve like Andy Reid did, and I hope Packer fans are happy for him. I hope that they see what he gave to this franchise, what he represented, and what he can now give to another team. Uh, I, I for one, am, am hoping for, for him to succeed, despite the fact that it's the Cowboys, a team that I think most Packer fans grew up absolutely reviling. But Mike McCarthy is... A good one. And much like Randall Cobb, I think a lot of Packer fans are a little sad to see Cobb succeeding in a Cowboys uniform just because it's got the star on the helmet, but are happy to see Cobb succeeding. My guess is it's going to be a similar situation with Mike McCarthy. The Packers do not play the Cowboys in 2020, so there will be no revenge game or anything like that next year. For our purposes, though, this is an opportunity to fully turn the page, to say, Everything that went on last year, it's now it's now fully behind the Packers. It's fully behind the fans, everyone. And you can look at what happened with this offense this year. It did not get significantly better. In fact, by DVOA, it got worse. Matt LaFleur changed a lot of things about the offense. 
And from a process standpoint, Aaron Rodgers playing a little bit more in the pocket, trying to extend plays less often. They they relied much heavier on Aaron Jones to create both in the run game and in the passing game using a variety of formations, using play action more. The process was very different, even if the outcome wasn't extremely different. And this was a franchise in need of a reset. And it's a reminder when you look at the Dallas situation, a team that is supremely talented, a team that a lot of people thought was the most talented team in the NFC, one of the most talented teams in the NFL. I thought they were one of the most talented teams in the NFL. And they can't make the playoffs because they can't win enough with that talent. That's when you move on from a coach. And Jason Garrett had won a lot of games in Dallas, couldn't win the big game in Dallas, and he had to go. It was it was long past time. That makes it an appealing destination for Mike McCarthy for all the reasons I just mentioned. It's also a reminder of the failings of Green Bay. Mike McCarthy was glad to go to a Dallas team that was active and aggressive in adding talent, trading a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, those kinds of things. They are willing to do that, and Ted Thompson was not. Now, Mike McCarthy was there for the beginning of the Brian Gutekunst era when he started to get a little bit more aggressive in signing players, but that first offseason, it wasn't like Gutekunst went gangbusters the way that he did this past offseason. I'm sure McCarthy was watching that going, hey, what the hell? Why couldn't this have been a thing when I was the coach? Because a player like Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, those guys would have made a big difference to a coach like Mike McCarthy, to those teams. And if they had been better defensively, maybe he could have staved this off for a little bit longer. Now, maybe that's just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. We can't know that. What we know is that Matt LaFleur came in and fundamentally changed the culture in Green Bay. How much does that culture contribute to winning? We can't say. I don't know that it can be quantified. The players certainly give him credit and to a man talk about his leadership even if we don't see it in a in a charismatic kind of way that was Mike McCarthy all the way by the way early on in his career he came in and did the same thing he came in and said this is how we're doing it Brett Favre this is how you're going to play and later Aaron Rodgers this is how you're going to play and for a long time that worked and eventually you just wear out your welcome and and so Matt LaFleur He comes in, he resets the culture, installs a different kind of offense that takes some getting used to. Green Bay is going to have to add some players if they want to see significant improvement in this team, and and we can talk about that in the offseason. Matt LaFleur is going to have to fight the same kind of thing that Mike McCarthy did. This first season has been nice. You win a lot of games, but I'm sure he's already finding out that this whole win ugly thing it has fans nervous and anxious and and full of anxiety at every turn. And the aesthetics of it count to fans. Maybe it doesn't count to Matt LaFleur. The expectations are now high, not just for this season, but moving forward. You go 13-3 and in your first season in Green Bay, and the expectation is you're going to compete for a Super Bowl this year, next year, the year after, and that you're going to get better and you're going to you're going to continue to grow this offense and you're going to find ways to adapt in ways that Mike McCarthy didn't. Matt LaFleur is going to constantly be compared to Mike McCarthy starting with his playoff performance. You know, the Packers in 2007 took an aging Brett Favre 
in a rejuvenated season, not his first season, Mike McCarthy's, but in his first playoff run, they go to the NFC Championship game, they lose at home in a year that they went 13-3. and Matt LaFleur is going to be measured, for better and for worse, against Mike McCarthy. And now, Mike McCarthy is going to have a team of his own, a highly talented team, to which we can compare. That's going to change the context for Matt LaFleur. And he can erase all of the questions by winning on Sunday and moving forward. I mean, you go and and let's say you beat Seattle this weekend and you go to San Francisco. You look a lot better. Maybe you even win. But let's just say you go in and you compete. You lose a close game. That goes a long way with goodwill, but it also raises the expectations. You fall back down to earth. You go 10-6. and six, You get the wild card next year and, and don't make a run. Fans are already going to start to be upset because the, the standard is high. The Aaron Rodgers window is closing. That, those are the stakes. I mean, and they're the stakes right now. Matt LaFleur has to realize that. And this team has to realize that too. This is an enormous game on Sunday, not just because it's a playoff game, not just because it's the divisional game, not just because they're home or they're favored, but because this is the kind of situation Green Bay had not been in often enough under Mike McCarthy, a 13-3 and season, a first-round bye, an opportunity to make a run at a Super Bowl. These seasons were few and far between for Mike McCarthy. In fact, the year they won the Super Bowl, they weren't even in that position. You look at 2011, they come up short, embarrassment in the divisional round. 2014, they win, and then the, the game that everyone will point to is the 2014 NFC Championship game, 2014 season, 2015 year, and myriad Mike McCarthy decisions come back to bite this team in the butt. They lose a game that they dominated for 55-plus minutes, and they can't go to the Super Bowl as a result. It is the single biggest stain on the Mike McCarthy legacy. There is something truly poetic about the fact that the week Mike McCarthy gets a new job and the Packers can close the book on that chapter. The last big playoff win at Lambeau in the divisional round for Green Bay was against this Cowboys team and the signature win, perhaps, non-Super Bowl edition anyway, the signature play for Aaron Rodgers is against the Cowboys. And that same 2014 season, the Dez Caught It game, that's the Cowboys. And who did they play the next week? The Seattle Seahawks. It's time to put it all behind this team by beating Seattle this week, moving forward, and exercising those demons. By taking advantage of this season, this postseason, in a way that Mike McCarthy's team couldn't, and and doing it to the point that it cost him his job. That's what's at stake on Sunday And this team, if they want to win and they want to keep making a playoff run, they're going to have to match that intensity. They're going to have to meet the intensity of the moment in order to take them where they want to get to. All right, he is the co-founder of Cheesehead TV, so you're probably already following him. But if you're not, you can do that on Twitter at Aaron Nagler. Aaron, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. 
Hey, thanks for having me, Peter. Uh, it's nice to be here. Nice to be on. Great to have you. So I did not anticipate bringing up someone else's coaching search on the week that the Packers are going to play their first playoff game in two seasons. But Mike McCarthy is the new Cowboys coach, and I can't not ask you about it. So what are your initial reactions to this pairing? I mean, good for Mike. Love that he got a gig, and he's the first one out of the gate here in the hiring cycle. Um, I think a big attraction for Mike uh, going down to Dallas, obviously there's a huge collection of talent, right? There's no doubt that this is a team that's in win-now mode. They want, they, you know, they've been disappointing for so long under Jason Garrett. I think Mike is going to be attracted or is attracted to the idea of going from having a general manager who never spoke to the media ducked all of his responsibilities mm-hmm. when it came to that side of the job to go into an owner slash GM who literally has a weekly uh, you know, session with the media uh, on his radio show. And the idea of not having to be the, the absolute figurehead of an organization and answer multiple questions every week about decisions you didn't make, I, I think that's a, a big attraction for Mike. And look, on the football side of it, he has <laughs> gone out of his way to put it out there in the media, how much he's been working this this past year while he's been out of a job and getting up to date on not only you know scheme stuff, the you know taking from all of the kind of uh, evolutions that have happened scheme wise, but uh, you know PFF actually putting it out there that he visited their offices this past September, mm-hmm. wanted to get you know dive into the analytic side of the game much more so than he did during his time in Green Bay. I'm, I, you know, you never really know how these things work out, but I'm, I, I always thought you looked at Mike at the end in Green Bay, reminded me a lot of Andy Reid yep. at the end in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not ready to say he's going to be Andy Reid 2.0, but there's a good chance he's going to be Andy Reid 2.0. Yeah, and, and I wonder how fans are going to end up thinking about his tenure. There were It was contentious at the end. There was all of the ugly reporting that came out this last spring. But from my viewpoint, Mike McCarthy is still a very good coach. His tenure in Green Bay overall was a success. They won a Super Bowl. I, I don't know about you. I have, I have fond memories of Mike McCarthy. I mean, I'm going to remember things like we're no one's underdog and we don't hang division banners and and – a highly successful football coach, all that stuff. Maybe I'm I'm already a victim of you know absence makes the heart grow fonder and all of the the things that they do when you like an X you have an X that all of a sudden oh, you, yeah. you, all you yeah. you only remember how great it was. I don't know right. where are you on this. I I love Mike both as a coach and as a person. I don't think I've hid that at all. You know it got stale at the end like it does when you're in one spot for too long and. You know, the, the famous saying from Bill Walsh, the shelf life of an NFL, NFL coach is roughly 10 years. Obviously, he went past that in Green Bay, and it showed there towards the end. But I'm with you. I remember all those things. I remember him. There was – no one ever remembers this, but there was a a year they were starting out against the Bears, and he he took a bombing run, like on an old World War II bomber. Mm-hmm. And as he was getting in the plane, he said, let's go bomb Chicago. <laughs> it's stuff like that. You know, he embraced the rivalry that way. Like, he was very much – yeah, just and I think Devontae Adams hit it on the head the day after Mike got fired last year when he talked about how, you know, he treated everybody in the locker room like men. He did a lot not only for the guys in the locker room and for everybody inside twelve sixty five Lombardi, but a lot of stuff around the community as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, the thing with his son in the basketball game gets blown up, but none of the good stuff that he did in the community ever gets talked about. So, you know, I, I like I said, I love Mike. I'm really happy to see him get a second chance. 
And I think, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be absolutely incredible if he becomes the first coach in the history of the NFL to win a Super Bowl with two separate franchises? Well, and to and, do it with two blue blood it, franchises. And with those franchises, yeah. exactly. I mean, talk about, I mean, the guy would have to be put, I think the conversation around him would be put in a whole new light. Absolutely. I mean, and, and the Hall of Fame discussion would be over. He'd be in, be and there'd be, there'd be no Absolutely question about it. over. Yeah. It is also fitting, I think, that we talk a lot about the NFC Championship game in Seattle with McCarthy and the decisions that were made. That always gets brought up, right? The, the yep, goal line calls and did he get conservative in the second half, all that stuff. Well, this dovetails beautifully now with what the <laughs> Packers have in front of them. Wouldn't yep. it be fitting if they could hosting Seattle this time, because there's no question the home field played a role back in 2015 to go in and maybe exercise the demons a little bit with Seattle in the postseason the same week that Mike McCarthy gets the job to turn the page, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, they obviously don't need extra motivation. No. Most of the guys in that locker room weren't around for that game. But, uh, yeah, I think the guys who were around for that game will undoubtedly have that somewhere tucked in the recesses of their mind. Uh, but look, you know, these two teams have played a lot, mm -hmm. not only since then, but even before then. And it's been a home team wins affair. And I, I'm not saying that like Lambeau is an automatic win, but I have a hard time watching or imagining that Seahawks team that we saw yesterday marching into Lambeau and putting out a victory against the Packers. Well, let me ask you about that, because I don't know that that anything I saw from Seattle on Sunday changed my mind about how they were uh, as a matchup or what they were as a team. They were an 11-5 team that benefited from a ton of close wins. They were trailing at halftime in more than half their wins, I believe. So this is this is a team that, like Green Bay, wins ugly. That was the discussion point all season from maybe whether it was from what we saw this week or, or what we saw over the course of the season, how do you like this matchup for Green Bay? Because personally, I think it's a great matchup for the Packers. I do too. The thing where I, you know, I think where the Packers are probably kind of most, the biggest advantage here is they're, they're playing the red zone on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. um, you look at, uh, you look at uh, what the Seahawks have done this year, a lot of, you know, I want to say it's a lot of Russell Wilson magic, but it's a lot of Russell Wilson making plays happen. Uh, that have no business occurring. And I don't think this is a defense that's going to make you kind of methodically march it down the field. I think Petten's going to kind of try guard against big plays. And once they get in the red zone, they're going to tighten up. And what they can do so well, and that I think will give Russell Wilson problems, is rush with three and get to the quarterback. Yep. We've seen that time and time again, uh, especially with Zedarius kind of roaming through the A-gap. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But I do think that they're they're built pretty well to stop what the Seahawks do. Yeah, Andy Herman pointed it out on Twitter that one of the things they did even last year before they had these horses, they were rushing three in Seattle and using Kyler Fackrell as a spy, and it was pretty effective. Kyler Fackrell had one of his best games against one the of Seahawks. his best games last year, no question about it. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting tact given how well they've rushed with only three and four uh, this season. I think that that is certainly something we'll see from Mike Pettin. This is a little bit of a flip, uh, flipping of the script, too, because the Packers come in with what is, by DVOA, the better defense, uh, certainly the better pass defense. And I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I think Seattle comes in with the better quarterback, at least the way that they're playing right now. This is not something that we're used to seeing. First of all, do you agree with what I'm saying? Yeah, very much so. I mean, look, can Aaron Rodgers turn it on and get hot in the playoffs? Absolutely. I have zero question about that. And as frustrating as he's been to watch the last few games, 
Uh, you know, and Lafleur pointed this out. They were, you know, off by inches on a lot of those throws mm-hmm. in Detroit. So now you look at, uh, you flip it and you talk about Russell Wilson. He's making plays. He's doing, you know, he's making the plays that Rodgers seemingly has been missing on. But look, the the formula is pretty similar for both these teams, right? I mean, they're going to run the football and they're going to work off play action passing and they're, they're going to sprinkle in a, an attempt at a big play. And I, I'm not talking about the Detroit game here because they were just crazy throwing it downfield <laughs> all freaking day. I don't expect that approach against Seattle. Um, but Rodgers has made two or three plays a game mm-hmm. to win the game. It's weird because, yes, is he the crazy, you know, assassin that we've seen throughout the years? No, obviously not. Uh, all of his numbers would tell you uh, pretty much across the board. He's not the quarterback he was. But two or three times a game, he connects or makes a play or comes up with something that just does enough to win the game. Whether it's, you know, the perfect example is the, you know, he's he's missing left, he's missing right, he's missing all over the place. And then literally on the sideline, he and Devontae Adams notice something in the coverage and go, okay, we're going to work the the post corner, they go to it, and it's a touchdown. Yep. And it's like just two or three of those a game are enough. Like the, the throw to Lazard, the game he's having, he's having a terrible game uh, accuracy-wise, and then he th- throws that perfect strike to Lazard that only, where only his guy can go get it. So what I mean. It's, it's, it's not what we're used to seeing, but it's winning football. It's also what we saw over the weekend. None of the quarterbacks played Very particularly so. well, right. and, and Deshaun Watson makes three or four plays. Even Drew Brees, they lost, but he makes three or four plays. Kirk Cousins right. makes three or four plays. That's it. That's the game in January. I'm with you. I think I think this is a, a game where Aaron Rodgers may only have to make three or four throws, and, and they can win. You mentioned the, the approach against the Lions and that they were just off on some of these calls. I've been particularly impressed the last month or so with the offensive approach from Matt LaFleur. It seems like he is calling plays that are working and the execution, for whatever reason, has been a little bit off. Where are you now as as we enter the postseason stretch? This is a new season, as Matt LaFleur will tell you, with what we've seen from Matt LaFleur this season. I'm really excited to watch what they came up with over the bye week. I mean, Rodgers and LaFleur both kind of alluded to finding the plays where the timing is working and just finding out why the timing on other plays isn't working, etc., I think they're going to be dialed in. I'm really excited and encouraged by going back last night and watching the Vikings game again. I mean, he Lafleur called a phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. Mostly, you know, the the obvious overarching thing there is the stick, you know, sticking with Aaron Jones, sticking with the run. But overall, you know, they're turning the ball over in the first half, but they're moving the football. Like the sequence of plays was so good, and Rodgers was in a really good rhythm for the most part, especially early in that game. If we get that. Starting on Sunday, look out. I mean, this this is a team that could put up a bunch of points in way in a way we really haven't seen all like basically since the Dallas game, really. How much do you think home field matters in this game? I and mean, I'm not asking you to quantify it necessarily, but you know, Seattle has been a great road team this season, seven and one. They go into Philly, albeit against Josh McCown, <laughs> but they were right. they have been a resilient team on the road all season. And I'm not sure that there is a team that strikes more fear into the heart of Packer fans full stop than this Seattle team, just with all the scar tissue from from 2014 <laughs> right. and 2015. Right. How much do you think that advantage this week helps Green Bay? Yeah, I, I think it matters because you look at, I mean, since that failed awful game in 2014, uh, both it's been a tale of the home team winning. Yep. I mean, every, every time. And I do think they are a battle-tested 
road-ready team. There's zero question about that. But I don't see any way anyone is coming into Lambeau. Yes, and I'm including the 49ers, if that, uh, not the 49ers, the Vikings, in, in case that ever happens. But I just don't see someone coming into Lambeau and winning, uh, especially this Sunday, the Seahawks team. I just don't see the firepower. I, I keep coming back to uh, the play of the defense. This past month, everyone wants to say, oh, but look who they play, look at the quarterbacks. And I understand that. They didn't, you know, you can't pick your schedule. But you watch the way they played. Last night, as soon as this game was over, I, my mentions are exploding with, who's going to cover uh, Metcalf? Who's going like, to, it was like, Kevin King, and they shade safety coverage. Like, this isn't hard. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't see. Now, there could, there's, it's NFL football. So obviously anything can happen. There could be a fumble. There, they have a run back, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, straight up, the Packers I pretty much have an advantage in nearly every phase of the game, except maybe at quarterback. And that's the one thing, you know, Russell Wilson coming in and doing Russell Wilson things. That's where I can understand maybe a little reticence on the part of Packers fans. But for the most part, I'm here to tell you the Packers are going to win this game. And I'm not saying they're going to win it going away, but they're going to win this game. And the, and no team has had Russell Wilson's number, at least defensively, the way Green Bay has. Worst especially passer rating. Especially in Lambeau. Yep. Especially in Lambeau. Passer rating is the worst of any team. It's also funny you mentioned the the over the last month thing because over the first month, the Patriots played no one. They played right. our little sisters of the poor every week <laughs> for a month. Right. And yet we're talking about a historic defense, but when the Packers do it, oh, we have to talk about all of the all of the bad teams they played. They also yep. did this to Kirk Cousins, and I wanted to ask you about this. They made Kirk Cousins look awful. They dominated defensively this Minnesota team on the road. In their house, exactly. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, does it change your perspective at all on the quality of Green Bay's, whether it's defense or their team overall, that they did that to a team that just went into New Orleans and, and beat the Saints? Well, I mean, it was their signature win of the year. There's no doubt about that. It's the biggest win of LaFleur's young career. There's no question there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think yesterday, the you know, the, the Vikings game in New Orleans I, didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. It was very funny watching how... Minnesota seemingly uh, took what Zadarius did to them and tried doing it with Griffin mm-hmm. there, the, having him in the A gap. You know, he he did stand up a couple times, although not as much as Zadarius did. But look, I don't think I'm saying anything that anybody listening to this podcast doesn't already know. But the key to that game in Minnesota was Zadarius Smith. Yeah, I mean, there is no two ways they could not block him uh, between him and Kenny Clark owning their rookie center. They had no answers. And, you know, you talk about Kirk Cousins. Look, Dalvin Cook makes a huge difference, right? We mm-hmm. saw that yesterday. There's no question about it. And he's going to he's gonna cause some problems for San Francisco, I have no doubt. But on the Packers' side, that kind of move that Petten made, like literally about a month ago, uh, to, to start utilizing kind of a, hy- not a hybrid of a hybrid almost, where that, that thing where they've got Zadarius inside and, but they're still strong enough to they're kind of playing base, but they're kind of playing nickel. It has given pretty much every team they faced nothing but problems. And the quick answer for everybody has been that quick pass to the slot, trying to get some cheap yards. But for the most part, you know, that hasn't been able to do enough to crack the code. The Packers seemingly have come up with something that nobody's been able to really kind of figure out and take over. And, uh, you know, that's all credit to Mike Pettin. Well, and, and if you want to attack Seattle anywhere, the interior of their offensive line is vulnerable. They, they played decently against no Fletcher question. Cox, but early in that game, Fletcher Cox 
single-handedly kept the Eagles close against a Seattle team that should have been up, you know, 20 points on Josh McCown. Again, this is, to your point, another place where Green Bay has a matchup advantage. Aaron, this has been awesome. Um, I'm sure most of my listeners, if not all of them, already follow you or or consume the content that you create. But on the off chance that they don't, let them know uh, everywhere they can find your stuff. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron Negler and the Cheesehead TV YouTube channel or uh, CheeseheadTV.com. We're everywhere. We're devoted to Green Bay Packers fans worldwide. Indeed. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Peter. All right, I want to thank Aaron again for joining the show. Always great to chat with him. And a lot there. Uh, We have a lot more to get to the rest of the week. Crossover Wednesday is tomorrow. Ben Baldwin on Thursday. And then our live show on Friday talking injury report. Wanted to let you know Brian Bulaga is moving through concussion protocol. Back on the field practicing but not fully cleared yet to play. Moving in the right direction. If I had to bet, I would guess that he plays on Sunday, which is enormous. The Seahawks have one good edge rusher. It's Jadavion Clowney. They move him around, and you want to make sure your bookend tackles can handle him without a lot of help because if they can, Green Bay should be able to give Rodgers time to find guys down the field, and this is a, a Seahawks secondary that has had some problems. You know, they they were able to, to buckle down in their own territory against the Eagles, force some field goals, but... Green Bay is the best red zone offense in the league. Probably not going to have the same kind of success. There are going to be holes in this secondary. There are going to be holes in this run game. Seattle, 26th in DVOA defending the run. And they have they have not been a good defense. Uncharacteristically, have not been a good defense. On the road against the Packers team that's rested, that can run the ball. And Green Bay is best when it can run the ball. With Bulaga on the field, I really like Green Bay's chances of being able to score on this Seahawks team. And if you can stop the big plays, I've said it over and over and I will continue to say it. If you can keep the Seahawks from creating big plays, or even if you can stop those big plays from being touchdowns, then you have a great chance to win on Sunday. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Packers.